Good morning. If you'll turn with me in your Bibles to 2 Peter. 2 Peter. We've been in 1 Peter, 2 Peter. We bounced back and forth a little bit, and that is, I assure you, intentional. I looked forward to preaching this sermon last weekend. We didn't get there. The Holy Spirit led in a different direction. I'm hoping he's leading in this direction today because that's my plan. We'll see what God has planned, right? I'm going to start in, again, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 12. And I've said this for the last month, and I'm going to repeat it again because it was important to Peter. It's important to God. It's important to me. important to you. And Peter says this to his congregation. He says, Therefore, I intend always to remind you of these qualities. And we talk about those qualities of brotherly love and and patience and steadfastness and virtue and living in a way that's worthy of the calling uh, that we have been given, the gift that we've been given. So he says, I intend to always remind you of these qualities. And again, this is several times in these two letters he says this. I'm going to remind you. I'm going to remind you. And you hear me saying that time and time again as well. And I felt very compelled as I was pulled towards these words of encouragement to me and to you. He says, though you know them, though you know these qualities, it says, though you know them, I'm, I'm going to remind you of them. And, and I know that you're established in the truth, he says to us, and, and that you have it. Then he goes on in verse 13, he says, I think it right, as long as I'm in this body to stir you up by way of reminder. And I, and I feel that way. As long as I'm in this body, it's my duty, it's my obligation to remind you of these truths. Peter goes on to say, since I know that the putting off of my body will be soon. And, and Peter knew that he wasn't long for this earth. He says, since I know that the putting off of my body will be soon as our Lord Jesus Christ made clear to me. Remember when Jesus told him? In verse 15 he says, and I will make every effort so that after my departure you may be able to at any time recall these things. So Peter wanted to make it clear as the great preacher to make sure his message was heard. So he said, I'm going to remind you. So he this gives you the, the backstory, the context of where I want to head this morning, and that is starting in verse 16. And I love this because it's very powerful. You have to understand something that in the old days, in order for something to be considered legitimate, if you will, there had to be, or somebody was given a testimony, had to be three witnesses. And that was true also, in, not in Old Testament times, but also true in, in, in Peter's day. And we'll, that'll make sense to you in a minute, minute. But as we begin to talk about a little bit about the transfiguration, I want you to understand Peter's perspective on this. So he says to his congregation, and I say to you, and the Lord says to all of us, For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. You need to stop for a minute, all of us, and, and recognize that 
Peter is pleading with you as, a, as an eyewitness to who Jesus Christ is. That, that, that means something in context. That means something in history. It means something in the Bible. And it should mean something to you. This is a... We're not following myths, he says. These weren't devised by men. When we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's saying to you, this is not made up. This is a stated fact. Okay? Listen, I, I do this because this is what I believe. Do you? I, I'm not going to waste my time up here telling you myths. Telling you stories. And Peter's essentially saying the same thing. And I'm not putting myself at the same level with Peter at all. I'm just saying, he's telling us, he's told me, and I'm telling you, what we tell you from the pulpit, what Peter is telling you, what Paul is telling you, what John, James, all of the, the bunch is telling you is true. And he says, and here's how I know it's true. We may know to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And you need to understand this. Jesus Christ is coming a second time. That's a fact. That's, that's the backbone of our Christianity. Our faith is in not in just the cross and what took place when Jesus died on the cross and was buried and was resurrected. Yes, we believe that, but we also believe He's at the right hand of the Father now and we're awaiting at any moment His return to gather up His nation. We're to be kingdom-minded we're to be kingdom-minded. He, he is our ruler. He is our Lord. Not just our Savior, but our Lord. For we do not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his, listen, majesty. We were eyewitnesses of his majesty. This ought to make the hair on the back of your neck stand up. What do you, what do you mean you you're a witness of his what? Wasn't he just a man? He's the son of God. No, we were witnesses to his majesty. And for those of you who know anything about God's word, you know where this is headed. For when he received honor and glory, in verse 17, from God the Father, listen, for when he received, when Jesus Christ received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was born to him by the majestic glory. This is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. We ourselves heard this very voice from heaven. For we were with him on the holy mountain. The transfiguration is what we call this. This is literally a changing in appearance of who Jesus was. There were three people witness to this. James, Peter, and John. Okay? To the transfiguration. If you want to go back and read about the transfiguration, you could go to Matthew chapter 17, or you can go to Mark chapter 9, or you can go to Luke chapter 9. Interestingly enough, it's not in the Gospel of John, though John was a witness to it. The transfiguration of Jesus Christ was covered three times in three of the Gospels. 
What is the transfiguration? This is the manifestation of Jesus Christ's outer appearance to show us His inner beauty. We saw the glory of God through Jesus Christ. You see, Jesus wasn't just flesh. But in order for Him to manifest Himself and be amongst His people, God had to sit Himself down. He had to take a step back to be with His people. He had to leave His kingdom. But even in Jesus Christ being fully God, you're not really seeing Him for who He really is. You cannot be in the presence of God, the glory of God, and live if you have sin in your life. So when Jesus was on the mount with his three friends, Jesus' appearance changed. You know what? We're just going to go to it right now. We're going to go to Matthew chapter 17. I'm not going to try to describe it to you. I'm going to let God's word do that, okay? So we're going to go to Matthew 17. I'm going off script. Starting in verse 1 of Matthew 17, it says, After six days Jesus took with him Peter and James and John, his brother, and led up on a high mountain by themselves, and he was transfigured before them. And his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light, and behold, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with them. So not only were there three witnesses physically, Peter, James, and John, there were three witnesses spiritually, Elijah, Moses, and God the Father. So all is good, and the testimony is valid in the spiritual world, the kingdom-minded world, and in the physical world that they lived in. This is a big deal. It's valid. This was important that Peter pointed this out as we read in 2 Peter. We were there. It wasn't a myth. We saw God in His glory. We saw Jesus Christ in His glory. You see, what you see in Jesus on the outside and what you see in the paintings and what we, the picture that we see in the gospel, we have to imagine those things. They got to see Jesus for who He really is. His glory magnified His majesty, His holiness, His divinity. His divine quality. That's inside Jesus. That even his disciples, the other nine of them, didn't get to see that. They just saw the flesh. You see, Jesus is so much more than just the human body and the God, man, God that we label him. He is God. He is the very essence of God and the glory of God the Father. If you have seen Jesus, you have seen the Father. If you know Jesus, you've known the Father. It was very important that we understand, and Peter conveyed this to us and to you, Jesus is 100% God. That is a closed issue in Christianity. That's not an open-handed, that's not up for debate. That's not even, if you don't think Jesus is God, you're in the wrong place. You're listening to the wrong sermon. Jesus is fully God. I'm going to read 
the rest of this in Matthew gives a great description of the other two accounts as well. His face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. And behold, there appeared to them Moses and Elijah talking with them. And Peter said to Jesus, Lord, is it good that we're here? Should we be here? This is, looks like pretty important people. You ever, you ever been someplace and you kind of feel out of place, like you're the one that's the low man on the totem pole? That's how Peter felt here. He's like, Lord, uh, hey, uh, Moses is here, Elijah's here. I think I heard dad. I think he's here. I don't know that I should probably be here. <laughs> so Peter said to Jesus, Lord, uh, talking with him, and Peter said to Jesus, Lord, is it good that we're here? Uh, if you wish, he says, I will make three tents here, one for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. He was still speaking when, listen, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, this is my beloved son with whom I am well pleased. Listen to him. When the disciples heard this, they fell on their faces and were terrified. But Jesus came and touched them, saying, Rise and have no fear. And when they lifted up their eyes, they only saw, they saw no one but Jesus only. Jesus transfigured, changed, metamorphosed, literally changed in front of them to see the glory of God. He wanted them to know. He wanted Peter to know, John to know, to James to know. Hey, listen, folks. This is real. This isn't a myth. Peter witnessed this. We ourselves heard the very, uh, very voice born from above, for we were with him on the holy mountain. And listen to this in verse 19. And, if that's not enough, and we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place. So you see, the prophets of old for centuries had been saying, Jesus is coming. Something's coming. Get ready. It was prophesied. It was stated. And in the context here, as Peter, Second Peter letter gets into us, he begins to talk about false prophets, false doctrine. We won't go there today, but it was important for his audience to understand that by them witnessing the transfiguration, they were within the boundaries of the prophetic word. And that what they saw only more fully confirmed this truth. And he says, so you would do well. <laughs> I, I can see him have a little smirk on his face. You would do well to listen. Uh, because it's not just James and me and John that saw this. But God the Father spoke. and Elijah was there and Moses. And oh, by the way... The prophets for hundreds of thousands of years have been saying this. And if anything is said by a so-called prophet that doesn't come true, then they're not a prophet. They're not, it's not a word from God. And you see, many, many prophecies have already come true, and a lot of them are related to the birth 
and burial and death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, okay? But there's other prophecies that have been given, and you can go to Revelation, you can go to Daniel, you can go to, you can go to a lot of different places in God's Word and see that many of the prophecies have yet to come true. And this is where Peter heads with this. He says, listen, uh, the prophetic word is more fully confirmed. In other words, uh, it, it just it nailed the, the, it nailed the coffin lid. This is where the rubber hits the road. This was prophesied. This was something that was going to take place. And he says, you would do well to pay, to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place. You see, folks, we still live in a dark world. We live in a dark world. And we would do well to pay attention to God's word. Christianity, so much of the time, is based upon feelings, emotions, sight, rather than on God's word and faith and knowledge of God's word. And knowing that regardless of the circumstances I might be in or what I see or what I hear, God's word is true. You see, this did so much for God's word by Peter even stating this because it confirmed everything that was in the Old Testament happened and was true. And it's God's word. So he says, you would do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place. Jesus is that shining lamp. Pay attention. God the Father says, listen to him. Listen to my son. Every word of scripture is from the Lord Jesus Christ. He goes on to say, pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns. And the morning star rises in your hearts, knowing that, first of all, knowing that, knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man. But men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. This wasn't made up to fit somebody's plan, idea, wasn't to fit in somebody's way of doing things. This was put together by God, only by God, written of the Holy Spirit through man's hands. Listen, lamp shining in a dark place, we live in a dark place. Some people still have not figured out how to turn the lights on. You and I need to be wary of the fact that we still live in a dark place and that that bright shining light is Jesus Christ. So when things begin to look dark, when things begin to look down, you need to turn to Jesus. He is the light. We've talked about that before. We preached on that, that Jesus is the source of light. Jesus is light. God is light. The glory of God is so bright. God is the very definition of, of light. And he says, and we, until the day dawns, in other words, until that last day, until that last day when Jesus returns. The morning star, Jesus referred to the morning star in Revelation, I believe it's chapter 22. 
He's referred to as the morning star. This has kind of a duality meaning here. One is uh, the return of Jesus Christ for the second time. And as we wait for that, as the end of times comes, we're, we're turning to him, looking to him. And this is why Peter talks about the fact that the eyewitnesses to this and the prophetic word is so powerful and that it has been confirmed because he says, I can tell you, you would do well to listen to me. Jesus is coming back. Jesus is coming back. And to be wise to look for him and to keep that light on in your little heads that Jesus is coming back because life can be hard. Life can be unbearable at times. Life just gets downright dark. Life gets downright hard. But God says, I'm coming. I'm a coming. He says, don't base your belief on me based on feelings or on circumstances or what you see or what you hear. He said, but base it on the fact that Jesus Christ is coming back. We've seen him transfigured. We've seen. We know that he is God. That was prophesied. We saw that. And now Jesus says he's coming back. That has been prophesied. He says, you would do well to listen. You would do well to follow the light. You would do well to put your hope and trust in Jesus and Jesus alone. The reverse of that is, you're not going to do so well if you don't put your faith in Jesus. Things are not going to go your way. And here's a little bit of truth for you. Just because you put your hope and faith in Jesus in this world, because we live in a fallen world, because we live in a dark place, things aren't always going to go your way now either. But when the day dawns, the sun is a shining. It's on you. He said, I got you. Is your faith in my son? Is your faith in my son? When everything else is gone, when everything else is removed from your life, who you stand with? Peter says you would do well to stand with Jesus. Put your faith and your trust in him and him alone. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man. Nobody sat down and pinned it and said, you know, this would make a neat story. This will sell a lot of magazines. This will get a lot of hits on the social media. Nobody's doing that here. See, this is ancient word. This is God's word. This is Jesus' very words put in for us so that you might have the hope that lies in Jesus Christ. So, you're not following cleverly devised myths. You know the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Peter was an eyewitness to this. John was an eyewitness. James was an eyewitness to this. You and I don't have that quote-unquote luxury, do we? We don't get to walk with Jesus in the flesh here. I mean, we're walking with His Holy Spirit. We're walking with Jesus. We're walking with the Father, but in the sense that Jesus in the flesh is actually sitting here. We don't, we don't get to see that, experience that, witness that. And I would say to you, would you be any different under that circumstance either? Would, would, your, would it change anything about who you are? You see, those, there were many people that witnessed Jesus' resurrection 
that witnessed his healings and still rejected him. How much more blessed are you that have not seen but believed? Word tells us this. Do you believe? Do you really believe? When you read God's word, I want you to read it. Look at the words. Words are important. I love the passion that Peter and, and Paul, James, John all put in their letters. If you take a close look at them, they're all literally dying that you understand that what they're telling you is the truth. They want you to know that it's not a fable. It's not a myth. This is, this is true stuff. These men died for this. Who, who would die for a lie? Who, who, would, who would make something up to be hung? I mean, or to be crucified. I mean, no, no, who, unless you're something wrong with you, right? These people died, and these are the beginnings of the church, and it has remained in place. Listen, folks, uh, don't know what's going to happen with COVID or the election, certainly. I'm not sovereign. God is. We will remain open. If we have to take precautions, we'll, we'll, we will do that. But I'll be here next Sunday. And I'll be here the next Sunday. And God willing, I'll be here the next Sunday. And then the next one. And we're going to preach God's word here. So thank you for being with us today. God loves you, so do I. Let's pray. We'll sing our last song here after we pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for your word. And we don't say that cliche. We thank you for your word. This morning's lesson was Moses reminding you, Lord God, of your word. Lord, we're not going to remind you of your word. We're going to remind each other of your word. I'm, I'm, re, I'm, re, I'm reminding myself, reminding the congregation of your word and its prophetic nature and its truth. It's written not of man, but by the Holy Spirit, penned by God. God by you yourself. Lord, thank you that you have given us your word and the word became flesh and that Jesus died on the cross for my sin and our sins that all who might put their faith and trust in him might have eternal life. And he didn't stay in the grave, but was resurrected to prove that he is who he says he is and that is God. And that right now, Jesus is at the right hand of the Father waiting his return. Lord, and if there's anybody in this room, anybody listening that doesn't have a relationship with you, Lord, now's the time. Lord, I just pray for those people. I pray for anybody in our community that has not, number one, repented of their sin. Number two, turn to your son, Jesus Christ. It's as easy as that. Recognize that we're a sinner. We're all very capable of sinning. And that we give that to you. And we try our best to walk as Jesus walked. Knowing we're going to fail, but you have forgiven us. And it's by grace we're saved, not by our works. It's by grace. It's a gift that you have given to us. You have called us you, among the elect. You have chosen us. Lord, thank you that you have done that. Lord, we love you. Thank you for the invite. Thank you for standing at the door and knocking. And we willing to come in and dine with and sup with us for all who should answer the door. For who would knock on a door and hope that nobody answers? Jesus stands at the door of your heart and he knocks, loved one, and he says, I want to come in and I want to sit down to dinner with you and I want to get to know you. I want to have a relationship with you. He desires that. All you have to do is answer the door. Open the door. Let the stubbornness in your heart, in your mind, 
block that out from the silly things that you hear and see and understand that this is not myth. This is not a story. This is true. And Jesus loves you. If you just open the door, he'll come in and he'll show you how much he loves you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. And the congregation says, Amen.